Hello and welcome to The Pig Age, Chagas Pig podcast with me, Kieran Carroll, bringing you all the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. And for this episode, we're looking at energy use and new technologies on pig farms with Barry Castlin, energy specialist with Chagas. And I first asked Barry to give us an overview of energy saving technologies and how farms could use them. Pig farms are very energy intensive com- companies or enterprises. I know that a recent Chagas uh, audit on about 23 different pig farms showed a huge variation in the energy usage and it ranged somewhere between 18 uh, kilowatt hours per pig produced up to 45 kilowatt hours per pig produced. That would be very consistent with what I'm seeing in Northern Ireland and the UK as well, where you can have variations between 36 kilowatt hours per pig produced, maybe down to as low as 16 kilowatt hours per pig produced. So I suppose energy efficiency uh, is very, very important and it varies quite significantly on pig farms as it does on poultry units as well across the country. So, and I always call it the first fuel that we need to be addressing here on on farms is energy efficiency because uh, we can talk about putting in renewable technologies like biomass boilers to generate heat or we can put in solar PV or solar thermal, all of these technologies. But if we can minimize the amount of solar PV that's needed, the the size of the biomass boilers that's needed by being more energy efficient, that's better because a kilowatt hour uh, that doesn't need to be uh, used is one that doesn't need to be produced and it's better from a carbon footprint point of view and from uh, the, com- and the country's, I suppose, energy statistics on reduced greenhouse gas emissions as well. But um, I suppose the main areas that I'm seeing is, is in the farrowing unit, a lot of electricity being used on pig production units and in the farrowing units, 95% of the uh, of, of the energy use there will be on electricity for heating, lighting, and ventilation. Um, um, you, also in the waning unit again, heating, lighting, and ventilation. And then when you move up to the finishing units, you have you know ventilation and lighting, and the all the, the feeding systems that's used there they require a lot of motive power from pumping and conveying. Um, and then, of course, waste management, such as scrapers, uh, pumps, again, a lot of electricity being used there as well. And there can be great variation in terms of how efficient those systems are, uh, because there are better technologies out there today that are, I suppose, more energy efficient uh, in terms of um, the, u- u- utilizing energy on those farms. So it's, um, I suppose, the main point I would I, I would give to people would be to look and monitor their energy use on the pig farms and start benchmarking what they're using because I think energy monitoring is a key factor to successfully manage the energy use and that's uh, you know looking at where your kilowatt hours putting on monitoring equipment on the various uh, on various technologies see how many kilowatt hours is used for pumping for scraping for lighting and that gives, I suppose, staff and people on the pig units a better idea of where the energy is being used and where it could be saved. Um, then after you've, mon- you've done your monitoring, you know, you're looking at putting in improvements, whether it's on creep heating, whether it's on, you know, wainer building improvements, putting in better insulation in those buildings. Um, and there are TAMS grants available as well, I just say at the outset, for doing a lot of this, um, you know, performance improvements in buildings and, and better technologies to improve or reduce energy wastage on these farms. Um, <clears throat> things like lighting system improvements. Again, a lot of lighting is used on pig units. And this is where you know savings can be made maybe 
maybe or adapt to more high efficient uh, lighting systems such as LED lighting, which has come on leaps and bounds in the last 10 years and is really a, a, ver a very uh, commercial uh, technology available to people today. And of course, high efficient motors such as variable speed drives, and these can be fitted to feeding systems and to waste management systems, you know, where the load factor on the motors is quite high. Yeah, like it's like measuring pig production, you know, your your raw production data, pigs produced and all that kind of thing. It is essential to, to measure your costs and energy now uh, is probably one of your bigger costs after labor uh, of the of the non-feed costs. Um, so if you if you have your monitors and you, you know what your usage is, then what's what's the next step then in terms of, you know, you've improved the technology in terms of creep. You might improve your, your creep areas. Uh, you might improve your ventilation systems or put in new insulation things like that what's the next step beyond that then in terms of the, the systems that you would use to produce heat etc yeah i suppose well in terms of heat uh, many people would look at and many pig units have, have already changed to biomass boilers uh, and there's a, a support scheme there for renewable heat or the ssrh that's encouraging a lot of biomass boilers to be installed on pig units and poultry units right across the country so what that essentially does is a, it's a payment system for kilowatt hour per, 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 per kilowatt hour of heat that's being used on the pig unit and you get paid for the amount of heat that's being produced from uh, the likes of uh, um, a renewable fuel such as wood chip or wood pellets um, or straw could be used to heat a, a pig unit as well. So there's, it's not a capital grant for those boilers, but there is, um, it's, it's, it's a grant to, or it's a subvention towards the cost of energy that's being used on, on those farms. So the SSRH has been a game changer in terms of allowing pig units and poultry units and all businesses, these, these units can, these boilers can be put into hotels and hospitals and nursing homes. It's not just the agri businesses, but um, we're seeing a lot of biomass boilers being installed now as a result of that. And of course, the cost of biomass as a fuel compared to a fossil fuel like is, is much cheaper. If you take a comparison there, like kerosene, if you were using that as a heating method at the moment, would be costing you around 12 cent per kilowatt hour of heat. Uh, whereas you would get your pellets, your wood pellets in the region of around maybe five cent per kilowatt hour. So it would be less than half the price of uh, kerosene at the moment. So it's, uh, it's something that's worth considering. Then, of course, there's other technologies um, you know, that would be used, such as uh, solar PV for generating renewable electricity. So it is possible for uh, pig farmers, obviously, have lots of roof space, and it is possible to use that roof space and to put up solar PV and generate a certain amount of your own electricity requirement rather than importing it. Because the cost of imported electricity here and at the moment is going, uh, going through the roof, literally, it's, um, you know, this time last year, we were looking at average prices of maybe less than 25 cents per kilowatt hour. And now many people are being quoted, you know, north of 40 cents per kilowatt hour and continue to see increase in, in, in price. So it's an area that I suppose a lot of farmers need to I suppose, get a better understanding of through the energy monitoring, but then to look at how, how the likes of the technology such as solar PV or wind, whatever the technology of choice would be, to generate that additional electricity that that, that they require um, after they've become as efficient as they possibly can. And uh, I know you were in, heavily involved in organising the the energy and farm business show as you do every year in Gorteen College, and was more most recently held there in July. And a number of pig farmers I know attended this year. 
And a lot of the queries I had myself and indeed from, from the other advisors as well coming through was on solar PV. So if we could just look at that specifically there for a while. In simple terms, can you tell us what exactly is solar PV, you know, how it works, how it operates and how farms can use that then to, to reduce their production costs and energy costs? Yeah, it's well, I suppose the technology itself, itself it's, it's um, you know, it, it's literally there are panels that are, you know, they're, they're facing south or east and they generate electricity. They convert energy from the daylight and into and the sun into electricity. So it's a very well proven technology. It's been around a long time and um, many people will be familiar with solar thermal. Uh, which uh, many people got grant aid for in the past to put on maybe on their domestic houses to generate hot water. Uh, and now this what solar PV is, is photovoltaic. It converts the energy from the daylight and the sun into electricity. So you're generating electricity. You could use that electricity, obviously, to heat an immersion. It could be like a, uh, you can put a diverter onto it and you can heat the hot water maybe in an immersion tank and that you'd have continuous hot water and it, that acts as a battery storage. So at times of the day, when you're not using the full kilowatt capacity of your PV system, you have the potential of storing that excess energy rather than putting it into a battery. You have the potential of storing it as hot water in an accumulator tank and using it for your business at different times of the day or night. Um, it, so as I say, it's a well-proven technology, Kieran. It's government policy at the moment as well to electrify the heating and transport um, uh, around the country. So you will see more domestic houses with heat pumps in the future. Uh, and those heat pumps will re require electricity to run the compressors on them. So there will be an electrical requirement. Uh, so you're, 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 what we're going to see in the future is houses being heated through electricity via the heat pumps. Uh, and of course, there's a, a major government policy as well on electrifying our transport in the future. So you will see a lot more possibly by 2030, where you won't get be able to purchase an internal combustion engine, and you will see more and more electric vehicles on the road. As, as a result, that, that will require extra electricity to run those cars as well. So electricity prices are trending upwards. Um, these panels, they work well in Irish conditions. So um, they, clean, they tend to clean themselves. That's, there is a bit of maintenance with solar PV panels that they do have to be cleaned, but in Irish conditions, we don't have the dust or uh, to get in some other uh, hot countries where they would be quite prominent and they do tend to clean themselves. Um, so, and, and like the technology, it's predictable as well in terms of the output per kilowatt installed. So it is possible to say that if you put up, you know, on a, on a pig unit, if you were to put up um, a 100 kilowatt PV array, you could be producing somewhere in the middle, in, in, in the region of maybe 93,000 kilowatt hours of daytime electricity per year. So that's a 100 kilowatt PV system. And, you know, on a pig farm, I would be expecting a 100 kilowatt system to be generally uh, used on the farm, where you wouldn't need to be exporting it because pig units are different to dairy farmers. Dairy farmers have this problem that they're generating the electricity during the day and the cows are out on grass and they're not milking the cows. Yes, they have a cooling requirement all right during the day, but they don't have this, they have this bell-shaped demand during the day um, at, at, at the milking period and in the morning and in the evening. And then it goes back down again. And the only demand then at that stage is just for um, milk cooling uh, and maybe some, some other uh, maybe pumpers or scrapers that, that might be used. But that's a continuous 
getting the base load on pig units, it's more continuous. Um, so, you know, and I would expect a 100 kilowatt system on a pig unit, uh, you know, might generate maybe 20% of the farm's annual requirement. So it'd be very, very difficult to put in a system on a pig unit that would meet 100% of the farm's requirement. But you could look at, you know, how far you could go in terms of planning restrictions, all of that, uh, and roof space that could determine how big you can get. And what are the, say the, the types of costs you'd expect to pay for a 100 kilowatt system, you know, and, and how long is the payback period? Yeah, well, generally it gets, um, the, the, the bigger the system, uh, the, 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 the cheaper it would be. Uh, and like there's grant aid available there through the, uh, the pig and poultry investment scheme. That's part of TAMS. And that's open to all pig farmers, you know, who meet the eligibility criteria of TAMS. And that scheme, it offers a rate of 40% grant aid um, that's available on, a, on an investment ceiling of up to 200,000 euros. Um, and that's over the RDP period of 2014 to 2022, which it has gone to now at this stage, and we'll be into a new scheme from the 1st of January of next year. There's other sources of funding available as well, Kieran, um, for projects such as, you know, including the, the Better Energy Communities grant aid, they'll fund maybe up to 25%. And um, that's where maybe pig farmers could become part of a, a local community project and they'd maybe get an energy master plan done for that community. And they get funded through SEAI, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland, by, be, by becoming part of the better uh, energy community in their area. Um, and there's also what's called exceed funding available. Um, exceed is, it's, possible funding route for pig farms. And it's really based on uh, the opportunity for further upgrades on like said, ventilation, you know, mixing systems, lighting systems. Um, as was carbon reduction volumes are going to be a key deciding factor uh, in those kind of applications, whether they'll be accepted or not. Um, but again, again, exceed could be, you know, you could get potential funding of up to 40% through uh, exceed again through the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. But um, yeah, your, your, your question there in relation to, um, you know, the, the payback is uh, and the cost, like a 100 kilowatt system could be costing maybe 90,000 euro. You know, and generally you see most of these systems paying back in the, maybe about four and a half to seven years. But that that's, that's just, uh, uh, not, that's not taken into account other advantages that are there as well. Um, like the VAT can be claimed back in year one. Um, also, you can get what's called accelerated capital allowances that can be, um, you know, where you can write off the whole cost in one year as well. So when you add on, so normally capital allowances are spread out over maybe eight different, uh, over eight years. But in the, in the case of um, energy efficient technologies and renewable technologies that are on the SEAI triple uh, E list, and these technologies do qualify for accelerated capital allowances. And it's quite an important um, an allowance to be available. Uh, and who knows how long, how much longer it will be available. But certainly at the moment while it is available, I know the pig sector has had trouble over the last couple of years, but with, with energy costs and with fee costs, as you mentioned at the outset there, so cash mightn't be that plentiful at the moment, but uh, it's something to consider if things ever did improve, that, that if there was, tax bills looming that there will be that potential to write it off as well 
For sure, absolutely, yeah. And you you mentioned briefly there planning permission. What's what's the latest on planning permission? Planning permission is required, but is there changes in in the near future that might might speed up the process or? Yeah, so at 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 the moment the the panels it's a restriction, I suppose. That um, um, yeah, like you know, the, if you take an advertised house, you know they would generally require in between maybe three to five, maybe six kilowatts of solar PV array. But the planning limits on a domestic dwelling house is twelve meters square. So twelve meters square at best would get you maybe two and a half kilowatts of PV array. So it wouldn't meet your requirements for your domestic house. Uh, and for agricultural buildings, the restriction there is 50 square meters. Now, 50 square meters would get you maybe about nine kilowatts of a PV array on an agricultural building. So again, you know, the example I give you there, most pig farms are probably be looking at between 50 and 100 kilowatts of PV array. So you are into planning territory there. There is an expectation that planning will be relaxed for uh, developments of up to 50 kilowatts to um to that 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 meets the micro generation uh, scheme requirements. So micro generation is this new scheme that allows will be allowing businesses to export excess electricity back to the grid, uh, and hopefully in the in the next couple of months we will see this open and all farmers and all businesses will be able to avail of it where they produce excess electricity and they can export it back to the national grid and get paid per kilowatt hour of electricity that they produce. But there are the restrictions at the moment, but I would hope that that uh, 12 square meter for domestic and that, that 50 square meter for agricultural limit on pla- um, will be removed and that we will see um, a more relaxed approach towards planning of, of projects up to 50 square meter, uh, of up to uh, 50 kilowatts in size. Yeah, it certainly makes sense to do something like that anyway now in, in the, the crisis we're in at the moment, I suppose. Um, just on to some of the technical stuff. So how well do they work? You know, in terms of the environment, pig, pig environments can be harsh. You've got high ammonia levels from time to time. Uh, dust levels can be high from time to time. How well do the panels work? How often do they need to be cleaned? You know, is is the casing or the mounting important in terms of weathering the, 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 the dust and the ammonia, etc.? Yeah, ammonia, like you do need robust panels um, in the case of, um, you know, and in, in, in the case of pig units where ammonia gases are going to be accumulating. And there are robust panels that can be got uh, specifically for, the, for, for those type of uh, situations. And that's where you're talking about glass at the, at the back and glass at the front. So it's a more um, robust panel. Um, also, where salt erosion may be an issue for anyone in a coastal area, they would require those type of uh, robust panels also. Like your standard solar panels, are, they're also 1.6 meters or 1.66 meters by one meters. Uh, that's generally what they, what they would come as, and they're 280 to 320 watts per panel. And generally the way they're designed is that there's a glass foil design. So the cells between a pane of glass and then there's the foil laminate underneath. Um, so in the case of these more robust ones, you have glass on the back and glass on the, on the front between between the panes of glass and you have this foil laminate underneath. Um, I suppose it's important to, uh, to say to people as well that there's they do come with product warranties and performance warranties as well, Kieran, and that, you know, generally some of them, it's, it's really an important question to ask an installer, like what is the product warranty with the technology that's being provided and what is the performance warranty? So the performance is how long would you be expecting it to do, to to give so many kilowatt hours 
per kilowatt of installed capacity. So as I say, each kilowatt probably should be generating in the region of maybe, depending on what part of the country you're in, of course. So, but on average across the country, maybe around 900, um, maybe 850 to 900 kilowatt hours of electricity per kilowatt installed. Um, and then there is an expected degradation on, on that uh, of maybe 0.7% per year. So that each year that goes by, the efficiency or the output or the performance will go down by maybe 0.7% per year. So they're the kind of questions that you'd ask an installer, what is the expected uh, degradation uh, in terms of its output per year? Very good. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it is critically important to look for those warranties before you'd go any further uh, in terms of your investment. And so you'd know what your typical lifespan might be uh, before you yeah. have to ch- change up. Uh, in terms of the, the situation in regards to supplying any excess, I know you said that in, in most cases you probably wouldn't have systems that would be producing too much excess that you'd need to supply. But in the case where you might, what is the story with, with supplying uh, excess into the national grid? Uh, or are you better off to look at a kind of a battery storage as an alternative to to trying to connect to the grid? Well, I suppose the jury is out with batteries at the moment. Um, and certainly in a situation now where we do have a microgeneration support scheme, um, that's where you know, you'd have to question the batteries um, because you do have that ability to export it back to the national grid uh, and, and also to get paid for it. But batteries can act as a, a power backup. And there is a grant in TAMS as well to up to six kilowatt hours of battery storage. Like the batteries, they can operate in both alternating current and they can operate in direct current. So but you could have a situation where the batteries are charged by direct current by maybe surplus solar electricity that during the day. And once that electricity from the battery has been discharged, it, you could end up recharging it on the cheaper night rate electricity uh, for discharge in the morning if you had a peak demand at that time. So that's where batteries can be useful. But um, in terms of the, you know, the, uh, the exporting the electricity back to the grid, microgeneration support scheme is the game changer there. So you do have the option of putting the solar PV on the roof spaces of the farm buildings. And the, 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 uh, the large scale projects, just before I actually go into the microgeneration support scheme, the large scale projects are supported because people often get mixed up between the different types of supports. So microgeneration is up to 50 kilowatts of PV array. Uh, uh, and then the large scale projects such as you know, where you see fields of land covered, maybe hundreds of acres or maybe 20 or 30 acres covered with solar PV panels, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's covered by the RES scheme, the Renewable Electricity Support Scheme. So we're seeing a lot of that happening across the country where this large scale approach and that's supported through, a, you know, a, a fairly robust scheme called the RES, which, um, which is generating a lot of interest in the last couple of years. And it's an auction process. And we're seeing wind projects and solar projects going through that. So that's 500 kilowatt plus is covered in, in the RES scheme and 0 to 50 covers uh, micro generation. There's actually no support scheme in between, between 50 kilowatts and one and, and 500 kilowatts. So between the micro generation and the RES scheme, there's no support scheme in place for that type of renewable generation. But there is a consultation out there at the moment, to see what can be done in terms of introducing supports to encourage more um, small scale generation um, uh, like that. But to answer your question there about the micro generation and the supports that's there at the moment, um, there's grants there for domestic uh, for, and there's a grant of 2,400 in your own domestic dwelling house. 
And then you could, you know, if you're less than six kilowatts, and most houses would be less than six kilowatt systems, um, they can get what's called this competitive market rate or the CEG, uh, Clean Export Guarantee. And that's available to all microgenerators from their suppliers. So you have the likes of Pinergy and SSE and Airtricity and Electric Ireland. They've all in the last couple of weeks raised their heads up and said, we are going to offer a certain price per kilowatt hour for electricity. And if, if, you, if you're buying your electricity off us, we will give you a clean export guarantee of so much per kilowatt hour. So that'll be something that people could be looking at at the moment is what is, what is your competitive market rate that you're offering me if I export excess electricity back to you? So that could be to Electric Ireland or to Pinergy. Um, so the funny thing about it and, and the, is that the clean export guarantee has gone up quite significantly over the last 12 months. It's gone, if I was speaking to you this time last year, Kieran, I would have said the average clean export guarantee would be around five cents per kilowatt hour. But now it's actually gone. There's some of them offering 20 cents per kilowatt hour as a clean export guarantee. And that's just the way wholesale electricity prices have gone in the last 12 months due to geopolitical issues across Europe. So it's a, it's an interesting situation. Then for larger non-domestic businesses like farms, um, they can avail of what's called the clean export premium. And this is a, a government tariff that's available for 15 years. And this, we're, we, we still haven't got this introduced. Nobody's got, got payments on this yet, but we know what the, what the rates are. So um, this is available for a 15 year period. And so every business in Ireland would be able to avail of this to export excess electricity back to the national grid at the rate of 13 and a half cent per kilowatt hour. Um, so that's, that, that's any project between six kilowatts and 50 kilowatts in size. So anything over 50 kilowatts won't be eligible because you're, you're out of the microgeneration territory at that stage. That's brilliant, uh, Barry. Appreciate that. There's an awful lot of information there. Um, just final one, you know, for a farmer listening there, um, where can they go to find out more information on this? Yeah, well, I suppose the most important thing that they can do is, you know, do a bit of, um, I suppose, uh, work to see what what is their ability, for example, uh, to export back to the grid. Because what a lot of people might find is that they're restricted maybe to, due, due to their transformer size in their area. Um, that, that could be a restriction, especially in rural areas. But I suppose, yeah, the, 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 a lot of the, the technology providers are probably the best people to speak to maybe in terms of and to get different quotes from different providers. And you will learn a lot by speaking to the different technology providers as regards to what each of them are saying. Um, you can get more independent information from the likes of SEI, the Sustainable Energy Authority of Ireland. So if you go onto their website, seai.ie, you'll find a lot of information there in relation to microgeneration. You can also uh, Google the one-stop shops uh, there's, there's a number of them that have been generated across the country that provide independent information um, on, um, on uh, I suppose, energy efficiency and even for upgrading your own house, you, you know, to, to be a more energy efficient house, looking at heat pumps in your own house, the one-stop shop have engineers that provide that kind of information. And I suppose, depending on what part of the country you're in, Karen, as well, you could liaise with your local um, uh, energy agencies so that you've uh, Carla Kilkenny Energy Agency, um, you have Tipperary Energy Agency. So it's just if you're, it depends on what part of the country you're in, you look at the energy agency in your area and they would have engineers as well who can provide independent devices also. 
That's excellent, Barry. That's a really insightful and informative uh, half hour from you there. So appreciate that and thanks for joining us today. Pleasure, Kieran. Thank you. That's it for the latest episode of The Pig Edge and my thanks to Barry Castlin for joining me on the show. Don't forget to tune into The Pig Edge for all your pig production news on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more farming information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Kieran Carroll and thanks for listening.